Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from Business in Vancouver and BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, new research led by UBC's Sauter School of Business explores the link between high turnover in retail and restaurants and the way that customers treat staff. But first, tickets are now available for BIV's 40 Under 40 Awards Gala. You can join us January 30th at the West End Bayshore as we celebrate young entrepreneurs, professionals, and executives from a wide range of industries. Profiles of this year's cohort are now available online at BIV.com, and tickets and more information about the event is available at BIV.com events. On February 4th, a conversation with UK Information Commissioner Elizabeth Denham, someone whose name may ring a bell as she is also BC's former privacy commissioner. The discussion will cover privacy going mainstream, the ethical implications of AI, and on holding multinational corporations to account for privacy and data breaches. This is a conversation you won't want to miss. For information on that, as well as all of our events in 2020, visit BIV.com slash events. It is almost expected that retail stores and restaurants will see high turnover. They're tough work, the jobs don't typically pay well, and they're not necessarily considered forever jobs. But there also may be another link, another factor at play. A new study led by UBC's Sauter School of Business, in collaboration with the UBC Okanagan Faculty of Management, the University of Illinois, and the University of Queensland in Australia, is among the first studies to link a specific type of customer behavior to voluntary turnover in the service industry. Daniel Scarlicky is the Edgar F. Kaiser Chair of Organizational Behavior at the Sauter School of Business. He's also a co-author of the study, and he joins me today on the show to talk more about the study's findings. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. So tell me first, before we get into the findings, why did the team behind this study want to examine this relationship between employee turnover and what the study calls customer injustice? Well, um, as you mentioned in your intro, uh, customer service employees, be it in person, such as a restaurant or retail, over the counter or over the phone, can experience considerable mistreatment, uh, upset customers, maybe they're yelling at you, they're demanding uh, a different service, uh, very demeaning treatment. This can be very stressful because it really signals a lack of dignity and respect, and then it can lead to negative emotions and lowered self-worth. And this buildup can accumulate and take its toll in terms of uh, uh, turnover because it contributes to emotional exhaustion, eventually leading them to need to look for another job. I mean, they've got to find a way to replenish those resources. And typically, we look at treatment within a company that contributes to a comp- to a person deciding to quit. But this is really about looking at how employees are treated by the customer and its relationship with turnover. And is there a lot of existing research on that relationship between employee turnover and customer interactions? Yes, there's. we've got quite a few studies that have found that. But in addition to understanding the uh, the effect we also wanted to see whether or not how the supervisor treated the employees could help or maybe even make things worse in the way they treated staff so basically we were looking at two sources of 
unfair treatment, one from the customer and one from the uh, uh, another source from the supervisor. Interesting. And ultimately, what did you find? Well, you know, um, we have a, I, I just want to step back and say, you know, companies really need high quality customer service. This is a critical source of competitive advantage and turnover is a huge problem for companies. Uh, you know, we're ranging from 25% to 200% annually. And those costs are very high in terms of hiring and training. And of course, uh, the customer is uh, forms an impression we're looking at Often we want to go back to the same employee who, who served us. Uh, and again, we look at uh, other other studies have looked at how the company, uh, diff, uh, how different company factors look into turnover. And we wanted to look at how the customer triggers it. And so what we went about, how we did this is we collected self-reports of customer treatment and also how they felt in terms of their emotional exhaustion and and their turnover intentions in some studies and actual turnover in another. And what we found, and, and this is a, was a pretty extensive program of study, we had uh, three studies. One was a 420 retail employees. Uh, another study was 363 restaurant staff. And another study was 940 employees in a call center uh, here in Canada. Uh, and uh, we measured their actual turnover uh, 15 months after we collected their uh, sense of self-report. Hmm. And of course, in that study, we controlled for other reasons that one might quit, including high job demands and other sources of unfairness. What we found was that customer mistreatment relates positively to negative emotions, and these emotions lead to exhaustion, uh, which leads to higher turnover. Um, and we, as I said, we studied both turnover intentions, <clears throat> excuse me, and turnover, actual turnover. And how immediate is this process? Because someone might be mistreated by a customer and have a really bad day. They might have a very bad week. At what point do they start to have intentions around leaving or actually take that step to leave a place of employment? I think people who work in these jobs are somewhat expecting some the occasional mistreatment and and uh, and so it's not something that's really quite immediate that um, so Haley's just met with a really difficult uh, person and they don't immediately want to quit they kind of there's a there's a bit of a buffer there but <clears throat> excuse me what we do find is that the effect of customer interpersonal mistreatment is significantly weaker uh, uh, sorry, let me re- rephrase that. The effect of customer mistreatment on turnover is significantly weaker when employees perceive uh, that their supervisor treats them with dignity and respect. So if Haley has someone who has experienced a mistreatment this morning uh, and, and, they, and, the, and the supervisor is somewhat sympathetic and they, they can talk up a bit about it, that effect of mistreatment on turnover goes away. Interesting. So what would then be the takeaway for management at a retail store or a restaurant based on the findings of this study? What might they be able to do to try and mitigate the potential impacts of mistreatment by customers? You know, managers can actually do a lot. But it's a funny thing. uh, In all over the years of my research career, I'm finding that common sense doesn't always equal common practice. Mm. And so the basic, uh, the one basic 
uh, response is that managers should be paying attention uh, to their employees and understanding the experiences that they have. Um, they uh, Companies can also ensure that they provide proper training in how to deal with abusive customers. Uh, and those kinds of things, those kinds of supports uh, become uh, really critical to reduce the likelihood that the, the turnover is going to happen. Interesting. The study also points out, too, that an employee, they might not just go to their supervisor if they've been struggling with mistreatment. They might go to their peers. So what can you glean from the insights about how an overall structure might actually mitigate some of the negative impacts, so peer-to-peer or employee-to-manager? Well, there is a um, there is always uh, uh, energy around being able to share your your experiences, both good and bad, with your peers, with your team, with your coworkers, and so on. The problem is is that it can really accumulate. That all we all talk about when we get together with our peers is how terrible the customers are. And then we then move to how ter- I'm quitting, I'm leaving, that's it, you know. And and so it it having a conversation with peers does not always uh, lead to um, a change in my intention to quit because peers aren't actually that's not their job. Mm-hmm. The supervisor, on the other hand, needs to really pay attention to look if I don't if I don't lend an ear to my staff, uh, there's. Uh, uh, there's a you know I could lose this person, so it's really the supervisors whose job it is and who hopefully has some skills and training on how to do this sort of thing. And I suppose perhaps some onus on the employee to ensure the supervisor's aware that mistreatment might be occurring. Would that be fair to say? That's that's a really good point because employees I think sometimes just suck it up and then they go home each day and really. And excuse me, I think the employees at a bit of a disadvantage because they don't want to be seen as someone who's, uh, a, you know, a princess. You know, I'm, I'm I'm having a bad day each and every day. No, it, it, it really behooves the supervisor, though, to go in and check with the employee to see how they're doing, because I think uh, there may be a, a tendency to to cover up that they're feeling frustrated. Mm-hmm. What happens if an employee kind of gets caught between a customer's expectations and their supervisor's expectations? If those two sets of expectations conflict, what happens? Well, now you're in a bit of a pickle because, <laughs> excuse me, you do have to comply with company rules. For example, a customer may insist that they want a free meal because, excuse me, they got the wrong order, the order wrong, but the the uh, the the organization, in this case, the restaurant, would be going out of business pretty quick if the knee-jerk reaction would be to just simply uh, uh, give them give people a free meal when there was a minor mistake. So the supervisor does have some uh, is their job is to set policy, and, but also to be there to um, to address when uh, when uh, things happen and because they do. So that you're, but you are in a bit of a pickle, in a bit of a bind. And I think it, what happens, what our research shows, is that when you are mistreated, and I should also clear, uh, explain, mistreatment is a perception. So whether or not your supervisor mistreats you or not, 
it's more about I perceive that I'm being mistreated by my supervisor. So we can tell with pretty great certainty that in those occasions where I feel mistreated by the customer and I feel mistreated by the supervisor, uh, that turnover is, is in my horizon. How much variance is there between individual employees' definitions or perceptions of what mistreatment is? Well, that's part of the science that, we, that I've been studying over the last excuse me, 10 or 15 years, is we've so, so, uh, uh, started out by trying to understand what does someone think about when they think about fairness. And there's a lot of different components to it. There's the outcomes that I get, whether I think that they're fair. There's the procedures that are used to derive those outcomes. Do I think they're fair? And the third element is my interpersonal uh, uh, experience and treatment by an authority figure. And while there is some variance in terms of within people, uh, because different personalities are somewhat more resilient to it, generally these three dimensions uh, describe how people will experience fairness. Interesting. So it makes sense then that when it comes to company best practices, building resilience is very key just because it, it might be an impossible task to try and address fairness at a very individual level if it does vary from individual to indivi individual. That's right. And in the study that we, we published, we controlled for all of the other factors and found that this thing called, in, uh, inter, we call it interactional justice, which is fairness from uh, by an authority figure, explains m turnover over and above all other forms of, of unfair treatment. You know, mistreatment is not an okay practice, but do you, do you think that this concept of the customer's always right has contributed to an increase in this perception of staff being mistreated? That's a really good point, because when the customer is always right, then the customer has status, and which is which puts the employee in a bit of a pickle because or in, in a bit of a, a hard spot because they have to succumb themselves. Now, there's one thing about being a, a customer complaining about a service or uh, looking for help, but there's another thing when the customer treats the employee with a lack of dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And in those cases, uh, uh, there is no excuse that the employee should be authorized to uh, to deal with those occasions uh, with their to the best that they can. But there is, uh, you know, as human beings, we have uh, a, a moral obligation to do that to one another. And even, just because you're a customer doesn't mean that you can treat the employee without dignity and respect. And we kind of forget that in, in when we get into organizations. And but but there's often a price to pay. So one of the one of the uh, uh, insights that we learn from this research is, you know, maybe as a customer you're upset, uh, but mistreat your server at your peril. Because hmm. when you do that, you're likely to find that uh, the, your customer service will deteriorate uh, that, you know, that, and, and it certainly hurts the organization. Mm -hmm. 
Um, this is, I think, a really interesting study with some great insight for managers and businesses in the service sector. What might come next? What are some potential other areas of study or areas that you'd like to get more insight on based on this study? Sure. So we have another study that's uh, ongoing with another set of researchers uh, regarding the importance of disengaging from your work after work for non-work hours. And as you know, with the advent of social media and, and smartphones, we're, uh, we often go home and we're still on email uh, yes. working on business late at night or we're sorting those sorts of things out. And so what we're finding is that employees who have the ability to, sh- to disengage, by that I mean sh- you know, switch over to family time or community time, are much more resilient to these kinds of treatments as opposed to people who continue to dis, to, to engage even during off, so non-work hours. So that's one direction. Another direction is that these effects, we think, vary by industry. So you've got restaurant uh, within, within the um, dining industry, there are fine fine dining and then there's the and there are other levels of, of restaurants and I think that we're going to see that there is some of this it gets uh, these effects are stronger in certain sectors than others and third we're looking at what are some of the uh, characteristics of the employee so some personalities are able to withstand this kind of treatment and it's just like water off their back of a duck. They just don't, it doesn't bother them. Other people go home and ruminate and worry about it. They they can't sleep and it really affects their performance. So we're looking at how different personality types can actually play a, a role in these effects as well. Fascinating. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Really appreciate your insight. Really enjoyed speaking with you, Haley. My pleasure. That's Daniel Scarlicky. He is the Edgar F. Kaiser Chair of Organizational Behavior at the Sauter School of Business and, of course, a co-author of the report we've been discussing. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also listen to all of our episodes at Spotify or at BIV.com audio. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back on Monday.